Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going fantastic. Do you have COVID yet? I'm not sure. Uh, my voice sounds a little hoarse. I don't know if it's because... I have a growing number of people. I mean, it's still not a high number, but a growing number of people who think they may have had COVID, right? Because like, right. you know, people were sick before it was a big thing and how much has it spread before? So, yeah. you know, maybe... Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I was sick in at, towards the beginning of January for a little. You know, I had a fever and a, a cough, and it was only lasted a couple of days. I think. I don't know. Did I All right. Well, let's let's get right into it because this is our hundredth episode. Congratulations, Tim. Hey, congratulations! How did we do it? How do you feel? I I feel good. I feel, you know, it, it feels good to have done something consistently a hundred times. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's like fair. It. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever done something long-term and tracked it and hit a hundred. That feels yeah. like an accomplishment. I mean, obviously I do uh, like a thousand pull-ups every day. So that's, <laughs> no, just kidding. That's short range. Uh, yeah, that's short. No, it's, it's good. You know, it feels great to have, like, if I can do that with, you know, I just started my website and my blog and I've kind of already fallen off. I, I mm -hmm. wanted to write one or two articles a week, maybe release one, even maybe what I should do is like try to release one with every podcast we put out or something like that. Yeah. Uh, to, but, but, you know, knowing that, that, that I can do a hundred things in a row consistently, right. you know, putting out two episodes a week. I mean, that's, that's pretty good for me. So it's, it's been great to get that discipline in there. Cause I, I lack discipline. That's one area where I'd like to tighten up things. Yeah. So just doing things more consistently and scheduling time and then being a fucking professional, you know? Right. Oh, that's funny. We were just talking about the art of nonfiction by Ayn Rand. And she says, you have to look, look at writing as it's a profession. It's not right. something about your Like, and so you have to just be professional about it. This is my job right. and I have to fill the page. Yeah. But what well, comes to mind. That's uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book called the war of art. And that's basically what it is. It's a very short read, but it's good. It's basically just, you know, you have to identify yourself as a professional say, mm -hmm. I'm a professional. This is what professionals do. And right. you sit there with a blank page and for the allotted time. Job. And if nothing comes out, nothing comes out. Right. Right? You need to get into the discipline of facing down that black blank page and just starting to write something. Right. And I think this has been easier because you're almost like my intellectual gym buddy, right? Like we're meeting right. regularly. Yeah. We're going together. And so it's Let's like, go, bro. One more rep. I got five points. I can only remember three. God damn it. Right. Yeah. And so, but you can get also, the other two points, bro. Right. You like there's, this. there's been days where it's like, you know, I've not felt that great. And if I wasn't meeting you to do something, it's like, oh, I can just skip yeah. it. But then it's like the effort of telling you I don't want to do it is still effort. Whereas if I didn't have to do right. anything, I can just not do anything. Right. So yeah. it's, it's like canceling has some effort to it. Whereas if I only have myself, then it's uh, easier to just skip one. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and you don't want to let me down. David, no, God right? forbid. God so forbid. You got to show up, man. And it's um, vice versa, right? So I know I brighten up your whole week. So I wouldn't want to condemn you to a week without me. No, you do. You totally do. I mean, I look forward to these. Oh, me too. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, it's been a hundred episodes. On, oh, this is going to be released as our hundredth episode. Are there any things that 
come to mind right away as to what, like we've done a couple of these before, but is there anything that comes to mind as to why this is valuable or why you like doing it? I mean, it's not like we have a big following. We, we, it's not like our, these get a lot of views, but I just find it so valuable to, to do for its own sake. Um, yeah. But I'd like to hear your reasons first uh, before I go into mine. Yeah, no, I, I totally echo that. You know, I, you know, you've caused me to think about things in, in a different way. Like my arguments either get tightened up or, you know, in some cases I've had to rethink things. Um, you know, the, the whole epistemological approach of objectivism, you know, I, I'm seeing more and more value in some of those things that I hadn't thought about. You know, for example, the, the purpose of life is, um, is flourishing. And, you know, this is why we need freedom, right? It's, it's, you know, I've kind of approached it from simply um, the, the, like a universal principles, what principles can be universalized versus what can't. And, you know, I like the way of, or, or I guess more from an, like the approach almost of an atheist would take to just debunking extraordinary claims. Like that's obviously a false claim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but objectivism kind of gives you like a positive um, psychology of, yeah, it, it's not just about eliminating force from the table. It's also about taking responsibility in your own life and aiming at something and uh, comparing that to, to uh, standards of like, does it make your, does it Im- improve your life? Are you being altruistic? Are you sacrificing yourself for the sake of others? Or, you know, at least it's got a standard by which you can judge um, actions that you take positive actions, whereas, mm. you know, straight kind of skeptical libertarianism per se, doesn't say what you ought to do, or give you any way to compare, like, it just basically says what you ought not to do, don't initiate force, right. don't violate property, right. Uh, but it doesn't say, okay, well, that <laughs> I still have a billion things I can do right. right now, I can do any one of one of those things, which one should I choose, you know, and having a framework to think about that. And narrow down i mean we had just talked about editing out in irrelevant data and irrelevant things and focusing in on the thing that is mm. most important is a is a skill right and and i think kind of objectivism provides a bit more um robustness around there so talking you know with an objectivist is, is certainly helped me in that regard i think yeah and it's it's really interesting because you know i I'd, I'd mostly say i'm an objectivist now but you know, a hundred episodes ago when we started, I wasn't right. I was brand new to any of this. Right. So I was really starting to explore. We did a couple episodes about how skeptical I was going to the objectivist conference and things like this. And I think if people, I mean, it would be interesting now to maybe revisit some of our earlier episodes that I, I don't necessarily agree with maybe what my views were back then. But I also think if anyone has followed or cares to follow, they'll also actually see that it's not, you know, a dogmatic, I've been indoctrinated by objectivism or something, right? right. But because that's the way many people view it. And I honestly think many objectivists do, like just kind of they're yeah. used to getting commandments, and these are the new ones. But that's definitely right. not been my approach. And I think you can see and really understand my changes of thinking and my processing. And objectivism is highly, it's primarily a methodology. But you know, we not to talk fully just about that. But I think that has been a big theme for me at least, but this has been so valuable because it's really helped me chew a lot of this stuff. And I've come up, I, I've also come up with uh, a few other mouth analogies for the brain. There's also flossing the brain, right? So chewing is 
when you mm -hmm. help me think something through kind of deeply and really understand it for the first time and grasp it. But then when I think of flossing my brain, it's about, you know, I've thought about this topic a good amount and I really want to kind of understand the ins and outs of it. I want to kind of look at it from more angles and get it really clean. And then I also think of yeah. polishing as another kind of thing, like flossing is kind of like getting the gunk out and, and getting rid of yeah. the extra, you know, the, the, the plaque or whatever, the unintegrated yeah. stuff. Right. And, and really yeah. understanding exactly what it is. And then polishing is how well can I communicate? How deeply do I actually understand yeah. it? Can and you so, make that, that idea shine, right? Right. And so uh, I really like this kind of extended analogy for uh, the brain. And, and this has been one of the most important sources for me to do that. And the hope and the goal is that it's also helped you and the listeners, um, you know, be able to do that with their thinking as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a reminder right now that I got to floss my teeth more regularly. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to do that too. Um, so is there, I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, bring a hundred episodes to the four, but we've talked about like the methodology is interesting. Do any topics maybe from the, you know, the last 50, uh, but any generally really stick out, uh, as having been interesting. Um, yeah, man, there's been so many, I, I, the ones that come to mind, I think, the abortion episode was kind of interesting mm. uh, talking about, about that. Um, you know, all, all the, the ones, and I'm trying to remember it's ones where, where you really push back on me and mm. I'm trying to remember exactly which episodes those were, but it's generally um, kind of, you know, like the IP one, I think there was pretty interesting intellectual property we talked about. Mm. Um, but, and ones where, you know, you, you kind of challenged my thinking and I'm, I can't remember them off the top of my head, Right. but I, I remember, you know, you calling me out on some, something that I just kind of took for granted. It, it had to do with, again, what I talked about earlier with um, viewing, having a philosophy that, that just discards all the bad stuff, but doesn't focus on any of the good stuff. Right. Mm. And, and um that really made me think about things and how I need to adjust and integrate things a little bit better because I've been talking a lot about taking on personal responsibility, but libertarianism, you know, while, while personal responsibility is a big part of Liberty and my philosophy is freedom from coercion plus personal responsibility equals Liberty. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have a good framework I per se about what is, what does, taking personal responsibility how do you optimize that maximize that how do you know whether taking personal responsibility in this way as opposed to that way is better and i think um some of the things you said in one of those episodes really helped me think okay maybe there's there's i need to think a little bit more deeply about how do i how do i figure that out yeah and one thing that has really been helpful for me recently like because you, you were kind of pushing for a while to do more kind of current events stuff, right? And I was always saying, no, that I'm, I, I'm more interested in philo philosophical issues than kind of political yeah. and current events. But, you know, almost out of necessity with respect to COVID, we've been doing that a lot more. And I've actually really enjoyed it because, you know, I, I want to be able to look at a current event and think about the philosophical implications of it. And, you yeah. know, that's what Ayn Rand was so good at 
is like, you know, you can read articles of her from 40 years ago and they're still applicable because she could look at a current event and really understand and discuss the core of it. And so I'm still very new at it. And I would not say any of our uh, COVID episodes, I like I'm particularly impressed with myself at like a deep, that sort of deep level. But it's been starting to train my brain in a different manner. And it so and especially kind of doing it over a period of time and really me trying to, for my own, understand the full situation and the full philosophical base and implications of it. And I've never really done that before. And I I tend to be an auditory thinker. And so to have kind of a a weekly check in with you, how are each of us thinking about this ongoing situation? It's been really, really valuable. And, you know, it makes me think, maybe I wouldn't be good at still every week doing a new topical issue, but finding other kind of larger topical issues like the school systems or other things that we could kind of what's going on and how do we think about it philosophically. So that's been really cool and valuable for me. Uh, it's like a new, a new skill I'm learning as we do this as well. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I've been getting some tools in my tool belt for communicating Liberty better, you know, even just at the, uh, at the lunch table uh, yesterday at work, we were talking about, um, you know, all the stuff that the government's doing uh, around the lockdown. And, you know, we we're talking about economics and the big picture. And, you know, I was getting some broad agreement about that, uh, you know, central banking system. And, you know, cause I had one of the guys was, you know, he's a fairly progressive lefty, but he, he doesn't have a lot of love for government. And another one is um, was kind of, he, he does a invests a lot and he watches the financial market. So, you know, we just start talking about economics and getting into like Henry Hazlitt's economics in one lesson and, you know, the broken window fallacy and, you know, production versus consumption and what should policy be based on. And then it got into deeper things like what should the, what should government do? Right. And, you know, these guys were trying to say, well, we come up with the social consensus about what the laws should be and that, you know, you can't break those laws or it's, you know, in each society kind of does. And so, you know, I found some of the things you were saying, you know, because I started to approach it my old way of, look, you can't violate the individual, even if the mob says so, when they're like, well, why not? I mean, that this society kind of sets our norms, like the social fabric and like standards, like should dog poop be picked up off the street? I mean, how would you respond to that? And, you know, so then I had to start to think, okay, this isn't getting through because normally I would say, okay, universal principles that can't self-detonate. And I found that that just wasn't very persuasive. But what was was mm-hmm. persuasive was that societies that respect the individual and allow the individual to make the choices to um, enhance their own life, to lead to flourishing, uh, are the ones that do best. And, the, and, and respecting the individual, I mean, that's our means for survival is to be, be able to make individual choices and have the freedom to do that. It's our means for flourishing. And that kind of language came from our conversations and, and talking about the positive things that liberty provides rather than just the absence of coercion. It's that there is a beautiful life affirming aspect to liberty that is actually a more attractive message uh, to people than just say government's bad. And that's why we, we can't have bad. Well, no, right. it's not just that. It's like we have to have good in our life and liberty provides that. Yeah, and, and so two things come to mind. One right off of that point is that's something I hope to be able to explore further personally and with you because, you know, I have my whole, you know, two, three years of mental health, compassion, you know, mindfulness work. And I know 
I know it's directly tied to the idea of liberty and my conscious philosophy of objectivism, but I still haven't been able to formulate it and really understand the ties. But I think that's such an important message that like, especially objectivism lacks in its, in its tone of why this is so fundamentally important and why it's at the core of living a good life, of really actually caring about people in the full context. And so that's sort of like a major track I think is worth pursuing. And the other one is actually, you know, you brought up a few economic terms and I really don't even know them. I've not really looked into economics at all. So it would really be interesting to kind of, you know, walk, maybe do like a, a lesson set with me if you could walk me through some economic theories and I can poke mm -hmm. holes and see, you know, I can do some reading as well. But I think, uh, you know, economics is a good, let's call it more masculine side and then this, this more feminine right. side because I, I still do that sort of bifurcation if that's the right word um yeah but both of those come to mind as interesting topics to like uh you know explore further uh in yeah, the next definitely. hundred right yeah yeah definitely and so i'm i'm you know i'm wondering what you think we can improve for the viewers and the listeners so one thing that i think we finally do need to look into is we have a lot of really good content buried in here and if we can, you know, parse it and, and pull out some of the good stuff and share it on social media and that kind of thing, I do think, I mean, we just have a wealth of content to pull from and a lot of good snippets in, you know, longer episodes and things. So I think that's worth doing. But in terms of the actual uh, content itself and in terms of the way, even, you know, the way in which we engage with each other or anything, I, you know, is... Is there anything that comes to mind as what, of what we could do better? I suppose better for yourself, better for me, and also better for anyone watching or listening. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd put the question out to viewers out there, the, the few viewers we have, what would you like to see David and I talk more about? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we think it's a beautiful message. We think these conversations are valuable. I think they're obviously valuable to the people that do watch it. What do you find valuable about these conversations? What could we do better? What, what should we talk about more? And, you know, how do you think we can reach a broader audience uh, with, with this stuff? You know, one of the things I was thinking that might be interesting to try is uh, doing more live streams. I've been doing those on, on our libertarian Facebook page. They seem to be uh, interesting because they, they get a lot of uh, discussion going, right? When you right. embed it on a Facebook post, suddenly people are commenting and you know when mm. we do live streams we get people asking questions and commenting and makes them feel part of it maybe that's uh something we could do more of yeah um to integrate the audience into our our conversations uh live uh you know that might be it might be more difficult to chunk things because normally when we record we record two or three episodes in one sitting and um and then put them up space them out when we release them Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe we could do a live stream every now and then where we invite uh, viewers in and, uh, and ask, answer some questions or something, let them comment and call us out and direct our conversation a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a good idea. We've mentioned it before, so we should, you know, I suppose act on it. Do you have any, do you have any broad, so I mentioned economics and I mentioned, you know, this kind of, bringing compassion into liberty do you have any kind of broad themes or any broad topics you're interested in exploring in the next uh set of episodes 
Yeah, I think economics will be a big one um, for me too, because, you know, I, I need to tighten up as well uh, on that. And so um, I think that, that once we start going down that path, there'll be questions that I can't answer that I, where I realize I have some shortcomings in my knowledge and, um, and that'll be helpful. You know, I, I need to uh, learn more Austrian economics and have a better understanding of it. I have just a basic understanding of it and, and basic understanding of free market economics. Um, but I couldn't explain to you the ins and outs of the business cycle, for example, um, why it is that, um, uh, you know, how, exactly it was that government intervention um, prolonged the Great Depression, for example. You know, mm. I know, for example, there was, a, there was a depression in the 20s. The government basically did nothing and the economy rebounded in six months. But in the 30s, it lasted nearly a decade. And that right. had to do with government intervention. I used to have a better understanding of that. That's kind of gone away. So I think once we get into this, it'll, it'll, um, it'll help me tighten up and, and study that stuff a little bit more and really get a better grasp of it. But, you know, most people don't even have a basic understanding of economics. So I find myself just speaking in really basic terms of supply and demand, production versus consumption, why production mm. precedes consumption, how the central bank, um, you know, inflates the money supply, that sort of thing. Um, you know, is I find myself explaining that, but to get into the nuts and bolts and the details of it, I think is also uh, important. Yeah. And the last thing I'll add in terms of my, what I'm kind of getting a little bit obsessed with is, is I mentioned in another episode, psychoepistemology and, and more the psychological aspect of the way people think. And so one thing like when I'm having these discussions and when I'm trying to figure out what it is, I think to try and understand why that's what I think. Right. right. And so yes. kind of, you know, I've had conversations with a couple people about this lockdown and trying to pull in, well, what is at the core of the reason why they're feeling a certain way about the lockdown, right? Psychologically, right. what's going on? And that's not easy to do, but it's like the same training I want to, you know, give myself with respect to, we're talking about some current event issue. What's the philosophical premise at play? Like, I want to kind of bring that right. to the psychological premises at play as well. And so it'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Why are some people unpersuadable, for example, and others seem to be able to discard their old beliefs as soon as they get good reason and evidence to do so? Mm. Um, you know, Stefan Molyneux makes a good case that that we're never going to see a free society until everyone, until a tipping point of people adopt peaceful parenting because um, non-peaceful parenting creates statists, basically. And right. I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that some people seem to be able to disabuse the statism um, that that was inflicted on them as children. And it's the kind of people that are capable of self-reflection and looking in a mirror right. and, and examining their beliefs and examining why they believe what they believe. Um, not just being able to argue for their beliefs, but why did I have a propensity to believe this as opposed to this? Uh, and, and is it possible that, that, my personality type or my childhood led me to libertarianism and how did it do that? And is, is that a good reason to, to be a libertarian? Do I have better reasons to be? And, you know, all thinking more deeply about things. Some people do that. Other people don't. And I think, I think this will be an interesting thread to go down as well, because it's really about free will. What is the nature of free will? And, you know, how much are you determined by your upbringing and things like that? And objectivism has a particularly unique view of the nature of free will. And I'm actually investigating that now with respect to when I was 
I'm, I'm reading through some old, old journals trying to find when I was literally dealing with that, like, am I determined or not? What is the basis of this? Um, and so I think that'll be an interesting avenue to go down because it's, to me, I think many people, and it seems like you as well, still struggle with, I really want to know I'm doing the right thing, but how do I know? There's so many factors that feed into my brain and how do I right. parse through it? And so that's, that's really interesting. And I think free will is an important, a very important kind of uh, pillar um, for a lot of other yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Any last thoughts on a hundred episodes other than we're officially friends? We're not just colleagues. I'd say we're officially <laughs> yes. friends now, even though absolutely. I've never seen you in person. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, yeah, no, it feels good to have done a hundred episodes. I look forward to these conversations. I look forward to having more and, you know, I look forward to growing the show too and figuring out ways uh, of growing the show and, you know, uh, we haven't really focused on marketing or getting this show out. We haven't done a lot of work there, but maybe that's something um, uh, we need to focus a little bit more on going forward because I think mm-hmm. these conversations are valuable. I think a lot of people find value from them um, and not just from the the content or the conclusions we come to, but how we get there, how the, the process that we're engaged in this free dialogue right. where we challenge each other, where, you know, we're, we're willing to, to lay our sacred beliefs on the table and have them challenged and maybe mm. discard some of them. Uh, I think that's important for people to see that and understand that it can be possible to disagree and, and still uh, have a civil conversation. Right. And I think that's really like the personal value that it has for me above anything else is you're someone I know I can talk about anything with. And you have a, like you have a pretty fully formed view yourself. So it's not like I'm teaching someone my view and they have to think about theirs for the first time. Obviously, that sometimes happens for each of us. But it's like there's so few people I can talk to who have, you know, a grounding in their own life, who also uh, have full, like pretty fully formed views. And, and we can kind of talk to each other and, and understand, but not necessarily agree. And so it's really yeah. refreshing to have someone I know I can have those types of conversations with. Yeah. So I guess what we're trying to say is we're awesome. We're awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate you, Tim. (laughs) I appreciate you, David. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Stay tuned for the next hundred. Awesome.